Welcome in, everybody, to the Storied Podcast. This week, we have a guest and Trevor on, and then it's going to be me and Ruben. We're going to try to correlate some running stories with some uh, hunting stories and you know, compare the differences between the two, the mental fortitudes you have to endure, the physical things you have to endure, and we'll um, start this off by introducing Trevor, or are we going in the meals first? And I think we should just, uh, <clears throat> I think the first time that the folks here, Trevor here, we should just be talking about meals, and then you can kind of get a feel for it. Okay. okay. And then uh, we can let him do a full-on intro after we talk about what the heck we've been eating lately. Ryan, you got anything? Cool. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll start it off. So I had um, found some uh, freezer fossils, and it was uh, some of my um, Wyoming elk meat. I'm like, oh, score. We were just cleaning out the freezer, found some, uh, found a nice uh, clean cut on the, the back end of an elk, and we made some uh, Philly cheesesteak um, sandwiches. Oh, so there, yeah, we just just cut them, cut them real thin, um, then sautéed some onions, peppers, and then seasoned the meat, which was kind of easy, which was uh, just garlic, pepper, and then Lari's, kind of mixed that mm-hmm. all together. Nice. Um, caramelized all your peppers and onions first. Uh, took those out and did brown the meat, and then added those all back together and put some provolone cheese over it, mix it all in, and. Serve it over some toasted buns, and um, that was good. You always got to have the cheese aspect there in Wisconsin. Can't leave out the cheese. <laughs> I, I agree. We have all Midwesterners here on the panel, so I, I get much respect for that decision I made. So. <laughs> but, yeah, that sounds right, great. Well, I'll, I'll talk about what um, Trevor is actually part of this meal. Uh, we, we just had a very exciting NCAA semifinal game we went to yesterday. Yeah, I guess one thing to interrupt too. Speaking about cheese in Wisconsin, we all have to share what beer we're drinking too. I'm drinking a New Glarus Spotted oh. Cow. Nothing more Wisconsin than that. So we'll no, share beers after right after your meal. Yeah, yeah. The New Glarus. <laughs> back to the the football game. Yeah. So we um here in Missoula, Montana, the Grizz were in the semifinals, and the game was yesterday. We won in a group, uh, Trevor and I, and a few other friends, and. We, uh, you know, had a little pregame lunch, and for that, I decided to break out some elk shanks. Um, I've kind of gone more towards not grinding the shanks on elk or deer just because I love how they slow cook down with all that collagen, and they're more like a, they have more moisture in the meat. Um, and so what I did with these was I took two shanks. So it was probably, I, I would bet, three to four pounds of meat. Um, and I took the shanks defrosted them and then i really heavily seasoned them with uh salt sh- brown sugar like 50 50 pretty much and then adding in afterwards some uh chili powder cayenne ground mustard coriander black pepper and then i rub them down really just really thick and then uh you brown them in a pan and you throw them in the uh, slow cooker and i used actually the stock that I talked about last episode from the Turkey, but the Thanksgiving Turkey and, um, slow cook them for eight hours until they're real tender to shred. Right. You got to cook that stuff really long. You can't be messing around with trying to take those out, especially before six hours, in my opinion, but when it comes down to shanks, like as long as you can, I've actually never overcooked shanks in a slow cooker. I don't even know if it's possible. You just got to make sure there's enough liquid in there. So then I took them out and shredded them 
And then I took a jar of some barbecue sauce I bought at the store and just mixed it all in with the shredded meat. But the thing that I think was key in making these like a, a deep flavor profile, because, you know, sometimes you can have shredded meat that just tastes like sauce and meat. Like it's not like all coherent, cohesive together. Um, I took the stock, which had absorbed a lot of the spices that I had browned them in. And I actually put that in a big pan on the stove and reduced it. So I like made it into a thicker sauce. And then I added that back in after I mixed in the barbecue sauce with the meat and slow cooked it for another hour. And then that I feel like that gets the deep flavor because all that like really salty um, seasoning gets way deep back into that meat, whereas a lot of that barbecue sauce is kind of surface flavor. Right. And then uh, mix it all up and then uh, took it over the next day for the game and had a bunch of pulled pork, well, pulled elk sandwiches. And it was, I thought, pretty good. What, Trevor, what did you think of those? Yeah, they were awesome, man. Like you said, they were really, it was like a rich, deep, you know, flavor, but it wasn't gamey. But in terms of like, we were joking, the viscosity of it, like the <laughs> thickness of the meat, it was just, it was perfect. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like kind of like pulled pork where it's kind of, you know, flimsy and it just kind of falls apart too easily. It was like hearty, but it wasn't tough. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really good. And the taste yeah. was phenomenal. That was perfect balance of barbecue sauce and you know but it didn't taste just like barbecue sauce you know yeah yeah and uh, along with along with those sandwiches i had the same beer i'm drinking right now a kettle house brewing cold smoke brewed in missoula montana and uh cold smoke is a scotch ale that is one of the smoothest dark beers i've ever had it's 6.5 percent. so uh i think though the synergistic effects of the smoke there we go. they get they give you a little bit more zip they they kind of taste or they make me feel more like an eight percent beer, but they're only six and a half. But yesterday before the game, while we were having the sandwiches, I had about three of these bad boys before we got to the stadium, so we were ripping. But uh, Trevor wasn't you- though because he he actually had a race after the game, so he he wasn't drinking, but he was just on the sandwiches, you know. Right. Well, I almost took Ruben's advice. Ruben famously one time told me last year that one of his fastest times was ran before he had like six or seven beers the night before. And he told me that it's his version of carb loading. So I almost <laughs> went down that path, but I wasn't, uh, I don't know. I wasn't too convinced that that was the right move. So <laughs> maybe, maybe when you're 20 some years old, that might be. Uh, right. <laughs> but, uh, right, but well, I have a powder hound here. So this is a Missoula, yeah. Montana beer, uh, a winter IPA. It's kind of, it's not, it's not heavy, not, it's not like I, I don't like heavy IPAs, but it's just got a little bit of bite, um, not too much. And uh, I had mule deer enchiladas tonight um, from a mule deer actually that I shot in 2021, so over two years ago. Um, obviously, it was packaged well that it's you know didn't have any freezer burn or anything like that. Um, and that deer was pretty old. It was actually like a it was a giant fork on one side and a three on the other side. I'm pretty sure he was probably five or six years old. And so like I ground, I think I may have actually ground the entire deer um, (laughs) with that, with that deer. So um, yeah. So like, I mean, stuff like that, when I usually shoot an animal, that's, you know, real, real old and mature. And especially if it's kind of living out in the prairie in the dry, dry ground. um, I definitely like to do, do meals that 
you know, take a little bit of that gaminess away, right? Obviously, enchiladas like is the perfect is a perfect one for that. You know, you you get all your you get all your good nutrition from the meat, but you know, maybe some of that that heavy gaminess, you know, you don't have to kind of suffer through, so to say. Um, so yeah, I just did like basic enchiladas, uh, nothing too crazy. Avocado on top, sour cream, hot sauce, the whole deal. I love. I mean. I love that meal, especially like when you're training, you know, and you're working out a lot and running and like you need a lot of energy. It's a great, great mix of protein, carbs, you know, and fats. And um, yeah, I love that meal. Easy. Too. I got a, I got a question on packaging that deer. That's from 2021. Um, did you ground it before you put it in the package or did you just leave it whole and then ground it after you pulled it yeah. out? Yeah, I was actually out in Eastern Montana. Like I was out out by Great Falls, and I shot it hunting, obviously, with a friend, but then I was going to guide a hunt immediately after that, so I had to drop it off at a butcher, because um, I was going to guide out there, so I wasn't, like, going home, so I dropped it off at this butcher in Great Falls, and they packaged ground, like, I haven't really seen anyone else package it before, they actually had, like, a, it's almost like a sleeve, um, probably four inches wide, six inches long, but very thin, like not even an inch thin, like half inch. And so they like packaged, but it's basically, it's basically like a food saver. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the not vacuum yeah, vacuum sealed. It's like a yeah. vacuum sealed, like very thin profile kind of just package. And it's a really good way to do, do burger actually. And especially too, because mm -hmm. thawing it out it thaws incredibly fast putting in warm water. It's, it's definitely the best way I've seen. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, I don't know. I should maybe call them and like get where they get those, those packages to do it myself. That's the only butchering that I don't do myself is, is burger. I usually just, yeah. you know, I just don't really, I don't know. I just don't, I don't have a grinder, a real good one that I like. So burger, I usually take, cut my meat and take it to a butcher. Well, all right. Yeah. Trevor. So, um, you're new to this podcast, and um, you want to introduce yourself a little bit. We were talking just earlier before uh, about um, being another Midwestern boy from Hudson, Hudson, Wisconsin, and um, you want to kind of share a little story, or a little bit about uh, how you got in the outdoors and and things like that. Yeah, and definitely. How you got to Montana? Oh, yeah, how you got yeah, to yeah. So I grew up. Uh, it, like you said, I grew up, you know, Western Wisconsin, actually just across the St. Croix River from the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And uh, my dad actually has been a, an outdoors columnist um, for the Minneapolis Star Tribune for a long time. Uh, so, you know, naturally I grew up hunting and fishing um, and being in the outdoors all the time. And, you know, when he introduced me to the outdoors at a age I can't even remember, it then really turned into, you know, once I started to get six, seven, eight, nine years old, you know, it turned into, you know, just an obsession that kept on growing and growing. Um, and so, you know, growing up, I, I fished everything in warm water back in the Midwest, you know, muskies, walleyes, panfish, crappies, uh, bass, obviously, and then, you know, loved fly fishing, um, for trout uh, back there as well. Um, and then hunting, you know, I was, I was super, super into waterfowl hunting growing up, uh, as well as archery, archery, uh, deer hunting. So I'm always, yeah. I'm always interested. What were you fly fishing back there? Brookies or? Like no, there's, I mean, 
where I lived, there was some good, you know, there were some good brown trout fisheries. Um, okay, the yeah. Rush River down by River Falls and uh, okay. the Kinney Connect. Um, and then I actually fished like more towards kind of where you guys like up in Hayward. There are some pretty good brown trout fisheries up there, as well as like the North Shore, um, you know, of Minnesota and Wisconsin too, off of Superior. So sweet, those, sweet. Yeah, those were all those were all places. Uh, man, I love fishing. But anyway, so my my dad brought my brother and I out fishing in Montana when we were kids, maybe like once a summer, once every couple summers. Um, you know, because he would write like articles about about fishing out there. And, you know, once I got to Montana, as with many people that Ruben and I know out here, you know, once it kind of, once you get out here and, and you see the opportunities and the diversity of opportunities and the depth and, and just the endless land, it's hard to, you know, it's kind of, can be hard to go back. So I knew that when I, when I graduated high school and it was time to go to college, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I got to go to school out West. So Looked at Bozeman or Montana State and then looked here at University of Montana and, uh, you know, everything kind of felt just more natural at, at UM and um, it was pretty obvious I was going to go here. So, yeah, moved out here, you know, for college in 2011 um, and then basically so I started guiding fly fishing in the summers uh, in between school um, and, of course, throughout the school year. A good buddy of, of ours who I think you've already had on the podcast, Alec Underwood, you know, he and I were roommates, college roommates. And so, you know, we, I mean, we fished and hunted, you know, more than you can imagine uh, <laughs> all over the place like crazy. It was, it's actually hard to believe we graduated sometimes. Um, <laughs> but we did. So that was, uh, so that was good. Um, yeah, there would be times when like we'd be up, you know, drinking, partying and late at night and Alec would be like, dude, let's go fish wherever tomorrow rock creek or whatever and i'd be like dude no like that's crazy we're not doing that sure enough we'd be up next morning you know <laughs> you guys know i mean or there were some duck hunts where like god i remember one one night we went to bed at like you know two and then got up at four and you know went and shot a limited ducks next morning so yeah great memories for sure out here in in college you know first moving out here um so yeah, and then once I graduated in 2015, I started managing an outfitting company full time um, and did that uh, for the last seven years, and then started my own outfitting company in this last year. Um, so yeah, uh, like yourselves, you know, hunting, fishing, the outdoors, you know, is has been you know the uh, massive, massive passions for me, and um, it's definitely led me here today, which is awesome. That's great. So I actually visited at MSU as well in high school, looking to possibly go there. Between there and Stevens Point, I uh, ended up going to Stevens Point. So that's how I met this guy Ryan here. Right. But um, I was wondering, like Missoula area, I feel like some of these areas, like up in the Sealy uh, area and whatnot, almost mm-hmm. feel like Wisconsin. They're just they have mountains and grizzly bears, but like some of those stands of timber and, and like how it's like more lush over here than like up in Bozeman where it's drier and more, you know, high elevation stuff. It just like, especially the Sealy chain and, and whatnot. It's like those lakes feel like Northern Wisconsin. If you don't look past the shoreline, you know? Um, No, definitely. Yeah. Northwest Montana has some of that Northern Wisconsin feel, right? The pines and the lakes. And there's no doubt about that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Northern but, Idaho um, has that big feel too. If you've ever been yeah. much up there, you know, in Coeur d'Alene, Sandpoint, that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Well, we shouldn't probably take too much time into saying what we've been up to lately, I would think, because we're, we're just rolling here. Um, well, but one thing, one thing that you, uh, introduce, uh, Trevor, like how did, so, you know, you're an outdoor guide, you love the outdoors, but how did you start getting into, um, the running aspect of it since our podcast is about kind of the running and outdoor type, um, activities. Or when yeah. Did you start yeah. Great, great question, running? Ryan. So, you know, I was not, I was not a runner, uh, growing up. I, I played basketball, you know, throughout younger and high school and all that, but, but I didn't run. I, I actually thought running was stupid, to be honest with you. Like, in just, I don't know why. I mean, I would, yeah. I mean, you guys know, like, a lot of people, you know, say that if they've never done it kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I had, it was like a point in my life where I was kind of like on a new path with like physical challenges a couple years ago, a little less than a couple years ago, actually. And so, like, I was playing a lot of basketball again. Um, over the winter and then you know guide season of fishing was about to start right and like it's hard for me to play basketball once fishing guiding starts because like the guys that I was playing basketball with you know it was in the morning not early enough before guiding so I was like god like I you know I I should like do something to keep my keep my cardio you know going or whatever and so I just kind of you know obviously like Ruben knows this Missoula is a pretty pretty significant hotspot for runners um and so I, you know obviously i know knew about races and so i was like eh, i'll sign up for this this race you know at the end of summer and try to you know try to try to do pretty decent in it you know mm-hmm. and so i did i just signed up for this four mile race at the end of summer and another friend of ruben and mine uh ryan he he has a lot of running experience he ran in college like you guys and so he kind of helped me you know just minorly train for it and, uh, and then, you know, I told Ruben I was doing it and Ruben's like, oh, I should, I got to do that too. And so, uh, so yeah, I just signed up for one race and I, you know, we, it was, it went pretty well. Like it was a four mile race and I think I ran just over like 24 minutes. Ruben beat me of course. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like I'd never, never ran really before a couple months before that. And, and then of course, as you know, with running, like you do one thing and then all of a sudden it leads to another, 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 yeah, another. Yeah. And that's, that's literally what happened. Like I was, you know, I was training for that race and then I started talking to Ryan. I was like, dude, like what if I signed up for a marathon? And then I was like Googling, like what's a good marathon time? What's a hard marathon time? And like, I'm pretty confident athletically. So I was just like, I was, I was like, well, if I'm going to do it, like I'm going to try to do something pretty legit, you know? And so, and then I was like, I looked at the Boston Marathon qualifying time and it's obviously three hours. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to try to run a, a sub three hour marathon um, without ever having run before. And, and so I then did. So that was last August or August of 22 when we did that four mile race. And then I ran my first marathon the end of that year, basically. Um, and I ran 307. So I missed it by, by seven minutes. Um and then so all of last winter and spring, then I was training and throughout the summer, I was training then to really go for it, um, which I ended up running in Santa Rosa, California. Um, and I did run, you know, just under three hours, 259 and change. So that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty epic. Go like, Trevor. You know, what's that? Go Trevor. 
Yeah, that's it's oh, crazy though. For just 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 starting to do that. I mean, that's that's impressive. No, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, you know that the original goal was to to run a three hour or sub three hour marathon and you know, a year of running my first, you know, year of running. And yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, I just literally put like everything I had into it. And I, there was, there was so many times, especially when I first started training for it. And like, I went out on a five mile tempo run at marathon pace, which is like 652. And I could barely do five miles at like 652. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like, there's no fucking way I'm an, <laughs> But it's one of those things where, as you guys know, like you just have to trust the process and keep on mm-hmm. putting one foot forward and like stay mentally strong and confident through that process, you know, and, and if you do that, but the problem is most people quit, right? You know, most people just like, when you fail once, you, you just say to yourself, okay, I'm not good enough, you know, and then, and then yeah. most people either quit or kind of quit, get discouraged. But, you know, if you if you say to yourself, like, I'm not good enough right now, but if I stay with this, you know, eventually I will be. And you believe that, you know, you truly can. I mean, yeah. What what kept you like, you know, like you're saying, like you did that first race and then you were you were just hooked. Like what kept you just seeing the progressiveness of your running ability, like grow or like what kept you going to to push for your goal? Yeah, I, I would also say, like, I felt, you know when I felt, you know, that, that first race and, and did pretty well considering the lack of training time, I was like, I was kind of, you know, I, I didn't accomplish my athletic goals when I was younger. Like I knew I could have been a much better athlete in high school and basketball. So I think that definitely, you know, played into it for sure. Like, and I said to myself, you know, like, well, I'm going to now, like, I'm going to go at this with everything I have, you know, and I kind of, it was kind of a personal thing to myself that way, you know, if that makes sense. Climb the mountain. Yep. Yeah. I was actually pretty, I was pretty impressed with like the way that Trevor just jumped headfirst and that kind of stuff, because I mean, knowing that he had never really trained for running before, obviously Ryan and I here, we different Ryan, not Ryan, your friend, Trevor, uh, me and this, this guy on the podcast here, (laughs) just so listeners are aware Trevor's not talking about this Ryan. I think we made that clear, but um, we've been running since forever. I mean, uh, so those like first mental hurdles that you're talking about, obviously you, you've done athletics beforehand with basketball and whatnot, but running is definitely more of um, an individual in your head kind of thing. And I feel like it's a lot more difficult once you're older, maybe, or maybe it's not, I don't know, um, to like, just get into that groove to put like your full focus on that kind of stuff. Cause we, Ryan and I, correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, like as we're moving along from like junior high, high school running NCAA running, it's a very gradual path forward with a lot of people around you who know what they're doing to like help you form that mental fortitude and like get in a rhythm of training. But like you are totally on your own with it, which is, pretty badass and also you you've got the build to to run pretty well like i was actually kind of surprised that you never had run before because you just kind of look like a runner what are you like you're probably about ryan's side like six three six four yeah six three yeah 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 and we're all well you guys are a little heavier because you're taller but i think we're all about the same stature like proportionally just Mm -hmm. but that also comes with the backcountry hunting you know so (laughs) yeah and i will say (laughs) that um, that probably sorry go ahead 
Well, go ahead. I was going to just hand it to Ryan to talk about kind of uh, his running background. I guess I never did talk about mine, but uh, what were you going to say? But I would just say that you know, I think that definitely did help me out a lot. Is because although I had never you know run miles before, obviously, like we were talking about growing up playing basketball, but like I I've lived out here for now twelve years and a large part of, you know, my activity out here has been, you know, really charging in the mountains and doing some, you know, pretty legit mountain hunting and hiking uh, throughout a lot of the year. And obviously like that, that builds a pretty significant, I mean, it's not, you know, running a 259 marathon, but like that does build a significant, you know, aerobic base for sure. And I do think that helps, yeah. that helps quite a bit, you know. And not just aerobics, but definitely the mental game as well, which is sure. kind of like, I think we need to like reset for the listeners here. We're getting into like the meat of what we're going to do is we're going to have, you know, a couple of store, one or two stories from each of us about running and how it relates to hunting really, because we're a hunting podcast, but we all have running backgrounds. Now Trevor has a shorter running background, but he's, he's getting after it. But uh, just to set the stage, we just heard Trevor about how he started running in the last year and a half or so. Um, as I alluded to, Ryan and I have run for a long time. I'll just quick go over. I started running when I was in elementary school. Actually, in India, they had these little foot races for elementary school, which I got second place one time to this dude. I think his name was Abdu. And I, I just, that pissed me off that I got that silver medal instead of the, the gold, you know, in that little <laughs> race. And it just, I honestly had a chip in my shoulder for a while after that. And, you know, I think in elementary school in, in the U.S., you kind of have like, individual running events. There's no team really or anything until you get to about junior high. But so I would do some of those kind of things. And then junior high comes around and basically from junior high through high school. And then until I kind of got too hurt to keep running in NCAA. So, um, we had a very competitive high school conference that I ran in and our, our team Palatine high school was a very good school at that time for running. And then uh, I went to Stevens Point for um, distance running, cross country and track. And Ryan went there uh, for just track. But uh, Ryan, what, what's your running background? I, don't, I need to hear about Rosholt. But yeah, I, uh, we, I started junior high. Um, pretty much was kind of focused on basketball, really, just like you, Trevor. Um, then kind of got into the track. I said, you're probably better running around in circles than trying to shoot a basketball. So did that in college with Ruben at, at point and um, then still run to this day, you know, moved out West, loved running those hills and mountains that taught me a lot more about backcountry hunting, the mental fortitude, and also just growing up in Stevens point. If people don't know, it's pretty flat. So I never realized um, how easy it is to run up hills now. And then it just makes it a little better better than that when you come back to flatland territory in Minnesota, but I still run each day, you know, you never know when you're going to go out West or even hunting in Minnesota, some public whitetail stuff. I would rather have a slower heart rate and a little more fit body to try to climb up trees and sit on whitetails instead. So still run to today, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if you want us to mention this, but Ryan is also a two-time All-American and the D3 distance medley relay. Was it both, both DMR? Um, uh, yeah, both DMR. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What leg were you? Oh, the 800 leg. There Can't go, go too far, but if not fast enough to go short distance. <laughs> yeah. So Ryan is a mid distance guy. Um, 
I think that's where he excels, but he's also good at doing, you know, longer distance or even, I think you've done a half marathon before, right? In Cedar city, mm-hmm. I think maybe then yep. I'm, um, I'm like a longer distance guy when it comes to talking about track. Like I would do three K indoor five K outdoor and cross country, which is eight K. And then Trevor apparently just jumped headfirst into marathons. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> <laughs> he can go well, for a like, long time. I think like, if you're, you know, at our age now, it's like the marathon is probably, you know what I mean? There's, it's not like you can go run 800 meter events, you know, when you're like an yeah. adult, right? Yeah, so it's like muscles aren't there right now. It's more slow yeah. and long. Right, right. And it's like, I don't know. I think the marathon's probably the best. It's like the most fun event um, in terms of, you know, to go do post-college, right? I mean, half marathon. I ran one half marathon, the Missoula one, last in prep. Um, for that marathon last year here and that was a fun race I, I do agree a half marathon is a fun like it's a fun distance if you've got miles under your belt just because it's you like you can go pretty fast but you also need to you know there's also a lot of strategy and you know and and distance Ryan what did you run that half marathon in oh I think it was 108 it was uh 558 what? pace of some sort yeah it was 558 pace whatever that equates to I think that's more like one teens low one teens maybe 118 I think yeah, yeah one it was like 558 oh. I broke six I thought I was that was, gonna run. That that was, was like exactly school. what I ran in high school yeah I, I was a, the only half I've ever run was 118 something <laughs> when I lived in Utah I was a different human being now I'm a little slower. <laughs> Back here yeah, that's pretty crazy. But well, and yeah. Cedar City is at what, like six thousand feet? Five thousand, yeah. Five thousand, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dang. But well, so we're gonna easy. talk about we're gonna talk about individual race stories, and I, I guess I left it up to these guys. I kind of came up with the idea to either tell a story about a race that um, kind of relates to how you hunt, or vice versa, tell a story about how your hunting relates to your to your race. I mean, we're going to go through them all, I think at the end and talk hunting more so, but I think we're just going to tell race stories here for a second, uh, a little switch up to the podcast, more outdoor activities, not involving catching and killing stuff, but, uh, maybe you're killing yourself on the mountain when you're running. So, uh, I don't know who wants to go first, Trevor or Ryan. I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on mine. I'll, I'll pop right into it, I guess. Right. <laughs> all right. But, but yeah, so uh, just like we were talking, kind of the background of how I got into running is kind of how this story starts. It's kind of more a story about me getting into college track my first year. So, and it kind of pertains to the hunting here. But so I went to a small school, Russell, like uh, like um, Ruben mentioned, and I, you know you you think you're tough shit when you go to a division three school and then you're running all over these kids, you, you train harder than anybody. Cause most of them just kind of just jog around the yard a little bit, but you had a good coach. You think you're tough shit going to a D three school and, you know, coming off of winning the only state title in Rosholt history and winning two, um, a state title in the 800 and the four by eight, and then runner up in high jump and got another medal in four by four. It's like, okay, you're running high here as a high school athlete going into college. Even though we went to point a D three's college, um, thought I did all the hard work and it would trans translate to uh, division three athletics. But, um, when I first moved there, um, 
I got recruited as a multi-athlete. So that's, I think they did, they did the pentathlon, but then it was, it went to like the seven events or something, which was, I think the, the hundred dash, the hundred hurdles, the a thousand meter high jump, long jump, pole vault, and I think shot put. And so they started, I started lifting and training for that. Cause when I, when I was a senior, Going into track, I was like 197 pounds and 6'4". It's like I wanted to play basketball, not run run track. So so they thought I was not going to be fast in the 800. So they um, put me in the multi. And so I started doing all the stuff, trying to do pole vault and things like that. And I was doing okay. But I remember I told coach, I'm like, I, I'm not cut out for this stuff. I don't want to pole vault and do all this and it's like to become an all-american and something like that that's going to take like four years and it's like i'm better at the 800 than what this is so i remember going up to coach coach witt stevens point one of the greatest guys there is and um i said put me in an 800 i'm a better 800 runner than i am at this he's like well oh well okay i'll give you one shot you got one shot i put you in the 800 see what you got and I remember indoor running and I think, shoot, I got like second place, me and Dennis Hacker. <laughs> and he's like, okay, maybe, maybe you can run and doing pentathlete stuff. I was like doing two hundreds at slow pace. And it's like, I was really not training. And so after that, he started giving me more opportunities, but then I realized too, like, I am not that fast. I did run good in that race. But then all of a sudden, like these guys in college are a lot faster and stronger than I am. So transitioning into college prep, um, those those uh, workouts it were totally different than I was used to in, in high school. I remember just grinding, grinding in high school. Rochelle, they taught you to grind, not so much speed. And college was just short reps, but just fast. And it, it, like I'm like, I can't keep up to this. I was I'm just a slow, heavy Pollock. And I'm like, this is, this is tough. And I was kind of getting my butt kicked, um, come outdoor season. And it was a little sobering. So over that winter break, I finally could collect and kind of get up used to workouts here. So, um, one thing when I entered college, one thing I really wanted to do was the Drake relays was like, our team had UWSP is one of the like renowned division three colleges for 800 meters. So I'm like, I would love to be on this Drake relays team as a freshman or whenever. So, and we had a good and team. Can you that describe? Year. Can you describe what Drake relays is for not people in the running sphere? So Drake relays is so Iowa has no professional um, sports. So they love one thing. <laughs> they love Iowa football or basketball and the Drake relays. People come from all around for the Drake relays. You have. Huh. You have, I guess, kind of four four different venues of uh, athletes at the Drake Relays. You got Olympians and professional athletes that are there, and then they're running with the. Then there's Division One athletes, and then there's Division Two, II, Division Three, and like the NAIA or those other conferences in a in a thing. And then you got like the best in high school for from Iowa running there. So. You got all those things, and we were in that Division Two slash whatever uh, Division Three conference, and um, it's all just relays: four by eight distance medley, four by four sprints, hurdle relays, all this, all this cool stuff. So, 
it's a it's a pretty cool tradition and people in Des Moines get pretty jacked for it. I mean, they're out there on the front just tailgating and partying for it. So it's it's a cool little venue. And I remember in if you win, they gave you a pair of Oakley sunglasses and then they decked you out with all this memorabilia and stuff like that. It was it's kind of a cool scene. So describing that seems like that would be a sweet thing to um to run at as a freshman. So I finally got my tail butt kicked and I'm like, I really got to start focusing on getting faster and transitioning what I'm used to now into uh, something I can actually compete and try to be on this team, you know? Um, and our team had a national record holder in division three athletics in the indoor 1500. He had an all American in the 800 and then he had a senior that was with there. And then there was another senior there in the spot, but I'm like, this little freshman, I want to, I want to take that spot. So, so I finally got my speed work, all that hard work kind of put together and we pretty much had to run one race and that was in Augustana, Illinois, right? That's in Illinois. Uh, I Where feel was? like it's in Iowa. It's in the quad cities. I don't know okay. which side of the river it was on. Okay. But so there was that one meet and so we all lined up, all the guys fighting for this pretty much two positions. So line up, ready, set, go. And first first lap, takeoff, perfect. That speed workout's working. You know, you drop a 53 on the first lap. It's like, all right, that's working good, relaxed. And it's really, now it comes to the old Rochelle pride right here, the strength from 300 to the, to the finish line and kicked her down. And I think I finished third, but... That was the All American uh, 800 runner and the um, uh, 1500 meter uh, Division Three record holder that finished in front of me on the same team. You had other teams there too, um, and it's like, okay, we're gonna have a good team. And I made the team, and we ended up running at Drake, and and I ran pretty damn good. I think there on that outdoor, I ran 153 low, and I ran another 153 low in the 800. And, and we uh, ended up winning that Division Two, three little bracket in the four by eight, and winning those free Oakley sunglasses and winning a trophy <laughs> and stuff. And so I, that was pretty cool. That hard, all that hard work, sobering efforts, and things like that kind of paid off, and and um, got somewhere as a freshman. That is that is pretty sweet. I remember that was a lot of hype over your guys's DMR. Every I think every single time you went to Drake, obviously. Actually, anytime you guys ran, because like I was saying, you guys were in nationals two times as well. So, um, but yeah, do well, you want to talk about your hunting team. aspect of it now, or do you want to do all three race stuff and then go to hunting? What do you guys want to do? Let's, let's, let's talk, tell stories first. Let's go around okay. the world, tell stories. Trevor, next. Okay. Trevor, we're, what's we're your, what's your uh, good running story? Yeah, I mean, I would. I would definitely, considering the the lack of time I actually, you know, have running, unlike you guys, I, to kind of go in a little bit of what, what I was talking about earlier, you know, I would relate the, so when I set the goal to run a, a sub three hour marathon, pretty much everything that I've done running so far came off of that original goal. And the first marathon that I tried to do that in was in Arizona last January, so right at the beginning of the new year. Um, and so at that point, so I'd only run since basically July, um, so about six months. And um, 
you know, it was real intimidating, like kind of like we were talking about, it was real intimidating training for that in the beginning stages, but I did have definitely some momentum and it was hard to, it, it was kind of tough to relate it to hunting some, you know, when I first moved out here in 2011 and started to hunt out here, it was so intimidating because even though I grew up hunting everything back home, it's just a different world and it's so much bigger and there's so much more land and there's everything. Right. And so it was kind of the same deal of how, when I moved out here hunting, I had to learn everything just systematically, you know, and like, just keep on trying keep on, you know, trying a new spot, looking here, looking on the map here. And that, this is before Onyx, obviously. Um, that's like making us seem old, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so like, it was the same kind of deal with running in that you needed to, I needed to, even though I didn't have a lot of experience, I just needed to put, you know, one step in front of the other throughout the whole process, you know? And so like heading up to that first marathon, I started to get real fit, like last basically like into November and December. And, you know, there were a lot of metrics, like I did the Yasso 800s, you know, in, in about three hours, you know, and like, there was a, you know, and I could tempo run at, at a reasonable distance in a 20 mile, like we did a 22 mile long run three weeks before the race. And I did, you know, eight miles of, of hard work in it, you know? And so like, there was a lot of things in that, that said I could do it. Um, but I obviously just didn't have the time on foot really to the marathon. I mean, I guess, so you haven't run a marathon, Ryan, or you have? No, never have. No, yeah, and and like, but I'm sure you guys know, obviously, because you know much more about running than I do. That like, the the marathon is just a different distance with how your body changes, you know, at at a certain, you know, at that two and a half hour ish mark, yeah. right? And so like, that was even though all the training and long runs and workouts, I was crushing it, you know, going up to that first one it was definitely, you know, still unknown. And, you know, sure enough, like that first race, I, I took off and felt really good all the way through, you know, 17, 18 miles. Um, and, you know, sure enough, like at 17, 18 miles, I was like, Oh, I, I'm going to do this like easy, you know, kind of thing. And, but an experienced marathon runner will tell you that like mile 20 is the halfway mark, you know, <laughs> and, and that is definitely true. And so, yeah, I got to, there were some hills to around 18, 19, 20 that put me in a little debt too, but it, sure enough, you know, I started to, I really, I fought off the blow up until about mile 23, 24. Um, like I, I, I made it, through, even though I was hurting, I made it through mile 20, 21, 22, still almost a pace, a little bit over, I was right at like seven minutes or 658 or something. Um, but then, I mean, I just, it wasn't, I, I did have the lungs to do it, but it was my legs, you know, just didn't have the miles and my legs, you know, went into legitimate cramp slash, you know, blow up mode. Those last two and a half miles from 24 to 26.2, you know, I was, I mean, the last two miles I was down to like eight and a half minute mile or something like that. And so, you know, I finished with 307, um, which, you know, is obviously like, that's, pretty decent for a first marathon, but it was obviously, it just wasn't what I was trying to do. And so it was, 
it was disappointing. And similarly to when I first started elk hunting out here, you know, like the first year I started elk hunting with our buddy Alec, uh, when we were juniors in college, we had a lot of close calls. You know, we had a lot of, we actually helped our buddy kill a pretty nice bull that first year. And we came to full draw a number of times, but neither Alec or I killed a bull that first year. We, we tried to do it, um, you know, and we went back to the drawing board that off season, you know, and really figured out a lot more stuff. We spent more times on the, you know, on the ground scouting, um, you know, studying maps didn't really have on X. So you couldn't do that, but a lot of Google earth stuff, um, you know, and then obviously like really dialing in, you know, our shooting and, and our packs and everything. And so going into that next marathon was kind of that similar process. It was like, okay, what, what here do I really need to attack? You know, like what weaknesses do I need to fix? And, you know, what strengths can I build on, you know, and, and that, that next one, you know, I really, we amped up the mileage, you know, which helped a lot. Um, and, and then I also focus more on, on strength training to stay healthy, um, and really get my legs, you know, in a, a physical state to overcome some of that lack of mileage, uh, which helped a lot. Um, and then, you know, and, and then really I would say one of my strengths, you know, would be like the workouts and the speed. And so, you know, we applied a lot, a lot more pressure on that kind of stuff as well. Um, you know, and then sure enough, like, like we were talking about, just like elk hunting that second year when, second year of elk hunting, you know, you learn from all those mistakes and you kind of put things together and, you know, Alec and I killed bulls the first and second week of the season that next year. And, um, and that was the same thing with that race, you know, that, that second marathon I did in Santa Rosa, California. Um, you know, it was, I, I, I felt so much more mentally and physically confident. Uh, and sure enough, you know, it was, it, it wasn't easy. I still had to fight against. So basically, I mean, miles one through 20, like I was just, you know, I was rattling off 647, 648, just like auto, just easy and got to mile 19 and definitely was starting to like starting to feel it, you know, in the legs for sure. And then basically like hit mile 20 and we turned on the marathon course met up with the half marathon course on this like basically like a bike path and all these half marathoners like were coming on and when i say like i mean there were hundreds wow. of them and so that was like that was awesome that was awesome because like i just you know when i turned onto that bike course and it was literally at mile 20 i mean i just let the hammer down and like i think i rattled off like a 633 and then like a 640 and a 639 between like miles 20 and 23 and I was really feeling it. And I was like, uh, you know, and I, I knew based on what splits I had done up to that point, I knew I was like, I was probably in that 258 pace kind of thing. But, you know, as we were talking about, like 20 is the halfway mark. And I can tell you that 23 to 26 is like, that is where just the bodies hit the floor, you know, and like, and um, sure enough, I mean, that was very hard. Like I start, and there were some hills in there too, those last few miles. And man, it, it did take, I would say nothing short of everything I had to, to keep right around pace. I was a little over like 23 or 26. I was probably like 655. And then there was maybe a 702. And then there was, I think like a seven flat. 
And then that last, once I made it to, you know, just to like close to 26, I was able to, to just, you know, ramp it up at the end and, you know, finish that last quarter mile at like 620 pace. Um, but yeah, that was that, you know, it was, it was definitely very special, like to, to have that goal and, you know, to go through all the adversity and especially like with the lack of experience and not really knowing what was ahead of me and knowing how to handle those situations and just to, you know, to keep at it and believe similar to hunting elk hunting. I mean, you know, you guys know, like that there's nothing, nothing worse than, you know, that unknown of like, God, is it going to happen? You know, like it doesn't feel like it's going to happen. Are they going to show up? You know, is that deer going to show up? Are the elk going to be here? And like, you just have to have that, that mental fortitude and confidence, you know, to believe that it's going to happen. You know, and that's same thing, same thing with running pretty much anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what, what's the saying running is like 90% or what, yeah. what's this? It's like, I forgot what the saying was. It's like 90%, 100% mental. Some soup, some stupid like that. Basically saying it's hundred percent mental. That's what it's saying. Yeah. Which I've heard that. Not true, but when it comes down to execution, yeah. mental. When it yeah. comes on to execution, though, I think it is. If you've done the preparation, the execution is a hundred percent mental. Um, right. Yeah. So I'll we can talk more hunting in a second here, but I'll just tell kind of what I was going to say about my running story. So we we have the Drake relays in Iowa. We have your marathon in Santa Rosa, California, right? Yep. And uh, and now we're going to Reno, Nevada. Ooh. This is where my race took place. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so, uh, yeah, Ryan actually went, uh, to undergrad for fisheries. I didn't, I went for wildlife and uh, biology, but then in grad school, I went for fisheries and during grad school, we went and presented a lot of conferences. So there were two national conferences we were able to go to. One was in Atlantic city in New Jersey in 2018. And then 2019 was in Reno, Nevada. And in 2018, I did the spawning run. They call it the spawning run 5k for the AFS, uh, awesome. 5k competition oh. at the conferences. Yeah. And, um, that one was really cool. It was on a boardwalk along the ocean there in Atlantic city. And, uh, I ended up winning that one. And so I was going to Reno, Nevada to, you know, to challenge anybody else who wanted to take the crown. You know, I don't think anybody's actually thinking about it. I think I was just the only one thinking about that, but, um, (laughs) but before this conference, this conference, (laughs) this, this conference was in early October in Reno about a month before that, I had gone out on Labor Day weekend with AJ and Cam in Colorado on a uh, archery elk hunt in the Rockies, and it was both of their first archery elk hunts. I'm pretty sure I didn't have a tag. I just went with to you know be a pack mule and help out with what I knew the little bit that I knew about elk hunting at that point because I'd hunted in Utah and. Um, Anyways, being in Illinois in grad school, I, I trained like crazy for that elk hunt because we were hunting at 85,000 feet to like 95,000. We might've even hit 10, like of the areas we were hunting. Illinois is elevation, like 500 feet, right. And just flat as a pancake. So I was literally going up and down the stadium at Eastern Illinois university with like 60 pounds of water jugs on my back, just doing all kinds of training for it. Then we went on the hunt and obviously that was a, a, big physical test as well. And it was that elevation, which really helped. So then we're going, 
going to this conference, which is also a little bit elevation. The base of the mountains are there in Reno. And um, this 5K is going to be, you know, on a course that's half in a park. And then a little bit of it goes up a little jaunt, like a 200 foot incline on this like rim of rocks before you come back down. So I'm like signed up for the race. I, I had continued that training, right? So like I was in Colorado, all trained up for that hunt. And then I came back and I had another couple of weeks to do some actual running training because they don't directly translate, but it, you know, it's a really good base. Like Trevor was saying aerobically for, for that kind of stuff. Um, and so I have to give a presentation. Like I have to present my research at this meeting an hour after this race goes off. And it's actually like across town. And so I'm trained for it. It's going to be a tight window to run it. So I want to know like the race course and like the logistics. So at the meeting, the first day of the conference, I'm trying to find the person who's, you know, running the race to like get a good, you know, a course map, all this kind of stuff. And this is like a little side story within the story, but this lady, Mary Ann, who I, I I'll always remember her name. She is the worst race coordinator of anybody. <laughs> And this might've been the fact that I was the only one taking it really seriously. And I wanted to know details. And I think that she was just like, maybe assigned this part of the conference that had no idea what they were doing, but this, this race is a timed like chip race, right? So it's got, you know, a start and stop clock with your chips and your start finish line, all that software and everything. So I show up the morning of the race. I'm feeling pretty good about physically like, all right, I'm in better shape than I have been probably since college, to be honest, running shape. And, um, I'm like, okay, like I'll, there's only going to be a handful of people that's actually going to compete with me here. Cause we're at a conference, a professional conference. So you got a wide range of people and ages and everything. And even some of my colleagues were just going to go on the run in the morning to take like pictures along the trail and stuff. Like they weren't even actually going to run the whole thing. It's one of those kind of races where you have everybody from walkers to like people who might actually try to run a fast time. So I'm, I'm I show up race is supposed to start at 7am and, um, they the Marianne and crew are not even there yet. And I'm like, okay, like it's six 30 race supposed to go off at seven. They're not even here at all. They show up like really late. They don't even know where an outlet is in this pavilion at the park to plug in the computer to get the chip timing all set up and everything. And I'm like, I don't have any time after this race is over. Cause I have to be dressed formally and giving a presentation. Right? So I, I walk up to her and like, they're frantically trying to put this computer together. And I'm like, I know like, I know you're trying to like get this going, but do you know when this might actually go off? Because I cannot afford, like if it's going to be past like seven fifteen, like I have to leave, I can't run the race. Like I have to go do what I'm in Reno to do, you know, give this presentation. She turns to me. She's like, this is not the time to be asking that question. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure it is because I got to decide if I'm going to run the race or not. And she's like, I'm, she like, you know, got all mad at me. And so I was like, all right, whatever. I'm going to go and just wait and see how this progresses. Ends up the race, you know, gets, it's going to be really close, but it's going to go off soon enough for me to actually run it. So, cause I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to probably run, I'm hoping to break like 16, which is pretty fast. Mm-hmm. I forget what exactly pace that is, but it's, you know, five twenties or something like that, I think. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's like five twenties. I'll look it so, up. Keep going. Yeah. So I've got my racing flats on. I've got like, you know, my spandex and my like jersey or whatever ready to go. And I'm like, all, you know, I had done all my warm up, my half hour warm up routine. And I'm just standing there waiting for this thing to go in. And then she's like giving out the chips and she's like, you know, everybody come get their chips. Runner boy, I know you have one of these. Like, I'm like, okay, you don't have to be all sassy like that because you didn't do your job. 
But uh, so I got everything settled and, and we got to the start line and I'm looking around and there's this one kid that's next to me who's like definitely younger. At this point, I'm probably 20, I think I'm 26 years old. And then this, this other kid is definitely like, probably at this conference is an undergrad to like present some undergrad research, but he looks like he's probably 20, right? And I'm like, okay, this guy could be com- competition, you know? So the gun goes off and I'm, Trevor knows this. My race strategy when nobody knows who I am is to take it out hard because my, my thought mentally is if you don't know who I am and I'm going out in like a f- sub five first half mile, a lot of people might just think, well, I'm not going to keep up with that guy anyways. So they're not going to come out with me. And then anybody who does kind of push that line, then it just becomes a dog fight, right? Like who's, who's tougher. Which if you're running, if you're trying to run a really fast, like good time and like run efficiently, that's probably not the best way to do it. But I just race to race. Like I, I'm, I don't know why I'm more, I'm more concerned with placement than time and how I run. You know, Um, your strengths take advantage. Yeah. Where those guys. So, So this is, this comes into it, right? I go out with this guy. We go out in like, I think the first 800 meters was like. 535 or, or 235. I mean, and I'm like, okay, this kid is legit. Like he's like still with me and he's actually starting to pass me going into the first mile. I'm like, Oh, this is this, this guy's gonna, this is going to be bad. Cause I, I already went out on a limb going out this fast and he's keeping pace and now he's passing me. Right. So the first two miles is like a loop around a big horse track in this, like this park city park area. And the last mile goes up that rock outcropping I was talking about. And it's, it's not like up the whole way. It's like, there's a short, steep uphill. And then you're like on top of the rock outcropping and come back down. So we're hanging battling on this loop. Cause it loops at once on the horse track. And I'm starting to kind of like falter a little bit. Cause now you're in like no man's land mentally. Like I'm, I'm falling off of him. He's probably 10 meters ahead of me at this point. And there's mm-hmm. nobody behind me. Like we're the, the race is us. It's just us two. And we're going, in a circle. So you like, you can see everything going on ahead of you. It's not like, you know, you're going to make a turn this and there. It's like, you can see how far you're going to be in this flat, like just fighting it out with each other's space. And I'm like thinking to myself, okay, I was just on this elk hunt, um, in early September and my, my uphill, like I can crush some incline right now. So I need to do everything I can to hold on right here because this seems to be his strength and I'm need to put my energy into keeping with him here and just hope that he doesn't have that uphill kind of musculature or whatever you want to call it. And that's when I'm going to throw down that move. And after that, who knows what happens if he can match my move, then he's going to beat me. But if he can't, then that's how I'm going to you know win the race. So we get around there and I start closing a little ground and we're like really moving. I mean, I'm running faster than I have in a long time. And I start to catch up to him. And right before we leave this like horse pasture area to get to that incline, I get even with him. And then I pass him. And then it's probably about a 200 meter stretch that's going up the hill, right? Before it flattens out again. And I just like put my head down and do the whole like thinking there's an elk at the top of the mountain, you know, and just, just go. And, and he, he peels off the side of the trail and literally starts throwing up. He like stopped and started throwing up on the side of the trail. And I kept going. I'm like, well, that works. <laughs> and I proceeded awesome. to run uh, and, and win the race at the last half mile. Nobody was with me. Um, and then I quick jumped on a bus that was the shuttle to the place, took a shower in the bathroom at the conference center in the, in the sink and put on my button up and went and gave my presentation. Oh. <laughs> and, um, and what, what 
what was crazy though, side note, um, I left before anybody else finished, right? I actually had to convince the bus driver like to drive me that he'd have enough time to drive me and get back before everybody else was done, you know? Right. And so I was right, the only right. person on the bus. And uh, so they had the awards. Everybody got a part. T- First of all, I won the race. I don't understand how this works, but Mary Ann posted the race results the next day and I wasn't even listed on them. It said the winning time was the kid that I made like peel off and, and broke them. So I wasn't even listed as winning the race or even in the race. And then beyond that, everybody else who, even if they just walked or whatever, everybody got a participation trophy, which normally I'm not big on those, but this was like an AFS conference square metal plate with a bottle opener and an engraved trout on it. And I was like, I didn't even get one of those. And I won the damn race. So we were supposed to return our running chips. You know, you put on your shoe and just to get one up on Marianne, I still have this chip. I've never returned it. This is my medal from that race. <laughs> she's tracking you. She's tracking you, Ruben. Yeah, she's tracking me. But she's yeah, so that race was, um, I think I ran, I think I ran actually like, a, I think I actually ended up running maybe like a 15, 40 something in that race. Like really? it was not only was it like a good race for me, it was like a legit good time. It was, I think that's probably the fastest five K I've run. I haven't run one faster since then. Um, I mean, fastest five K since being in NCAA, but, um, what did you run? 1540. Yeah. I, I could, well, I can't, nobody can check me on it. Cause the results say I didn't even run. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think it was like 1548 or something like that was that race, which was like pretty smoking for me. I that's was not really expecting pace. that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I think the course might have also been a little short, but yeah, it was it was fast. Um, and yeah, so that was my race, but uh, and that was one that I will never forget just because of how uh, it I got no recognition for anything. <laughs> but um, we should break down uh, kind of more about what each each one of our races are relating to hunting a little bit. Um, but like I was saying, for me, I'll just go first since I just told that story. Uh, for me, it was the uh, the physical preparation. And this is a recurring theme. I know Trevor knows this. We both kind of uh, had this going on with uh, – we just did the turkey trot in Missoula, and both of us were hunting our asses off for the I don't know how many months beforehand – and Trevor's a guide, so he actually uh, has more days that he can't actually train running, and he's just relying on like all those hunting miles. And I was kind of the same way. I had some time that I could run, but I just, I guess, it didn't feel like it. But I was like, I still was hiking a ton, elk and deer hunting, and having that base. Obviously, you have like no extra fat on your body. Your legs are very rock solid. One thing I will say that I think is really important about hunting is the cross training for running. I feel like I, I feel so much more less likely to get yeah. injured training running when I'm hunting all the time because of all those little, you know, totally. movements you're doing in the mountains that are strengthening all those angles where when you're just training, you're running in a straight line on pavement. Like that's, that's how I got hurt all the time in NCAA. Um, so yeah, that elk hunt and preparing for the elk hunt really helped physically just to be in that shape to run that kind of a time and race. But then the other part of it was, knowing your move, knowing like what, what is your moves? Like I knew in that race that it was going to come down to the only advantage I had against this guy who actually, I think he was a walk on at Michigan tech. Like I'm pretty sure he was a runner, like not, not like one of their, you know, actual varsity, like team runners, but he was like on the team. I think at Michigan tech's a D one school. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And so like knowing almost kind of like what Trevor was saying, having the experience to know where your strength is and then focusing on executing that very well. I mean, I knew that I was just climbing a ton of mountains, like hunting elk and like not only mentally going up the hill and not knowing where the end is, but just keep, keep your head down and keep going. But also knowing that my, my physical legs were used to that incline pushing, you know, I'm like, this is lucky for me. This race course has an incline because that's where I'm going to really like throw it down and excel in this type of a race with my current shape that I'm in. Um, yeah. So that like relates to me, to me, that relates significantly. That's a way that hunting improves my running. I don't know if you guys have the same back and forth or do you have like your running improves your hunting? Go for a run. Yeah. Well, here before we go into that, I got one other takeaway from your story. I say it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Even if it's Marianne that doesn't give you a trophy, it doesn't matter. If you think you put the work in and you achieved whatever you achieved, and if you're proud of it, that's all that matters. However you climb the mountain, I don't care how fast, slow you are, that's all that matters. That's what I wrote down. Marianne, who cares? Who cares? (laughs) Well, thanks, Ryan. That's right. Yep. But um, yeah, definitely. I feel like hunting, hunting has made me a better run runner versus vice versa. I feel like, like the ruthless days out there in the woods, camping or getting into a survival situation where it's like, oh crap, I, I got to toughen up. You know, it's cold. I'm uncomfortable. All these things that's made me a better hunter or a runner than it has a hunter. But how about you, Trevor? I would actually agree with that for sure. Like, you know, you, it's funny you said it, right? Because, you know, I'm sure we've all seen like the, you know, nowadays you have the influencers, you have so many fitness influencers on Instagram and social media. And especially, you know, nowadays you have these fitness influencers, like, you know, and I'm not bashing him or specifically, but like Cam Haynes, you know, obviously he's one of the the first guys to really, you know, say like, Oh, you got to be in super good shape, you know, and run all these miles to kill an elk. And, and he is right. I mean, being in really good shape. Yeah. I mean, you, it, it, if you're truly hunting, you know, in the mountains, it's a necessity. There's no doubt, but I actually mm-hmm. kind of what we were talking earlier, like before I never even ran before two, two seasons ago. And, you know, I don't, I definitely, I I will say, like, I can probably hike harder now than I could then, but I was a pretty savage hiker even, you know, even before running. And so, like, I don't know if it's made me a better hunter much, but to your point, like, I actually kind of think that the hunting is harder and more miserable and, like, more physically taxing and your mound, you know, your malnutrition, uh, you, you have malnutrition going on and you're dehydrated and you know, all those things and you're depressed because you're back in the wilderness and you haven't seen anything for three days and you want to go home and you know, you're cold and like just the suffer level, you know, if you're truly talking like backcountry hunting in the mountains, you know, the suffer level is way more intense. And especially if you kill something, you know, five, six, seven miles back and you, you no. got to do a big, or even if you don't kill something, if you're backpack hunting, you know, and you're hauling around 30, 35 pounds and a weapon, you know, I mean, it's, it's, 
legit. And it's, in my opinion, it's way harder than even if you're doing a big running goal, whatever that is, it's way harder than training, going out for your long run or your hard workout, I think, to your point, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, when, okay, so hunting is like a marathon, just in, in what you're saying, you know, your, your yeah. story, it's like the different stages of running. You hit two hours, that's about halfway or 20 miles, you know? So that's the same thing as if you get an elk on the ground, that's about halfway. <laughs> 100 yeah. percent. You might have hunted your butt off and you feel tired. Well, now you just yeah. got to take a 300 pound animal out of here. <laughs> right. Right, right. Or a yeah. 300 boneless their meat, yeah, wise. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, so I mean, other similarities, you know, I was I was going to say other similarities, though, too, I think would come down to preparation, how you approach both of these things. I think we're all, maybe you and Trevor are hunters first and then runners, Ryan. I'm a little bit different. I've been, I've been hunting since I've been like 13, but, um, I never got a lot of time to do it just because we lived in you know, the Chicago area and we were always having to go to Wisconsin to do that. So right. I would say that running maybe like affected my hunting more vice versa than you guys are saying your hunting affected how you run, uh, just because of the, the training, the regiment and the mental aspect of it from like high school running and taking those things into the woods, like, okay, I'm in this tree stand and it's freaking 15 degrees outside and it's like eight. Yeah. 9 a.m. and I'm starting to get cold. We're like, okay, another half hour. I don't see a deer. Then we'll call it. And then you see something move, and it's like things change. You're like, okay, another half hour. Like, just break it down awesome. on the reps, right? Do something like that. Mm-hmm. So I actually awesome. do think about that a lot when I'm hunting. Are kind of like reps or or preparation too. Like Trevor was kind of saying with the uh, racing, with the the marathon deal. It's like you need some reps and you need to like see what does and doesn't work for you so that the next time you go into it, even if it's like you have a, like a kind of black hole of like, I don't see animals. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that like, if I'm at mile four or five in an eight K, like that's where you just have to keep your head down. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere at the end, you get this burst of adrenaline and then that, you know, kick yeah, that's all very at the end of the race, kind of the same deal. Yeah. So yeah, I was, yeah. I was going to say mine might be a little bit more on the side of my like running background kind of dictates how I mentally approach hunting, but yeah. Yeah. I think if you make mistakes, adapt, don't let, let it happen again, you know, keep at it too. I think out of all of our stories, you know, every one of our stories, it's like, just keep at it, keep working, keep grinding I don't know, you know, if that comes from running, if that comes from hunting. That's both what brings success is just keep working, keep grinding. You never know when the opportunity is going to strike. That's the thing. Yeah. And and those breakthrough races are kind of like breakthrough hunts where you have an epiphany where something worked and you're like, like I had that definitely with elk hunting. It took me, I think, till my fourth season to kill my first elk. And then like Trevor was saying, like since since the when you actually see it work, all of a sudden, all these things click in your head. And the next year when oh, you go into somewhere and there's elements, there's elements that aren't there and you're like, okay, this is a time to move. Or there are elements that are there and you just don't see any animals, but you're like, okay, I've seen this before. There's going to be animals here at some point soon. You know, it's kind of the same way with running when you like, I never knew that I could run a sub 16, 5k when I was in, you know, NCAA, like my freshman year, I was like, I've never broken 16 before. And then all of a sudden, like the first, first race I break 16, I, I broke it by like 20 some seconds and it was just a mental click. And it's like, Oh, yeah. I actually can do that. 
you know? Right. And it's so true, like, going off of what you both are saying, it. I feel like one of the problems with our with our society or our upbringings is that it's easy to see the kids who are just like the obvious, and this is, if it, if this is sports or whatever it is, intelligence, like the kids who are the obvious phenoms to who have like the natural talent or the natural ability in middle school or even middle school, you know, or like maybe even early high school. I think like one of the problems is, and, you know, I get it, too, but it's, like, it's hard to believe when you see, you know, like, okay, I'm not as good as that person. You know, you kind of believe, like, oh, I'll always not be as good as that person, you know? And unfortunately, to what you're saying, or no, fortunately, to what you guys are both saying, it is true if you truly stick with something and commit to it and discipline yourself to do it over and over and mentally and physically commit yourself, you know, to it mentally try to figure out, okay, how am I going to get better? What am I going to work on that I'm already good at? And what am I going to work on? Try to shore up that I'm not good at. And then on top of that, if it's a physical goal, you know, go at it with as much as you possibly have physically more times than not, you're going to accomplish those goals, you know? And, but the problem is I think most people just don't, think all of us at some point, you know, you don't have the confidence while you, when you fail, you know, to keep on going and believe that's actually going to happen. But if you stick with it and you say, okay, I may not be good enough right now, but I'm going to keep going. And sure enough, like eventually you break through, like what Ruben's saying, you just kind of, all of a sudden things click, things come together and it happens pretty fast. But most people don't make it through that, that time period where, it's really tough, you know, and they don't see, they don't see the light at the tunnel when they're at light at the end of the tunnel, when there isn't actually light, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's almost a similarity more so than when I was saying like how, you know, fitness and like training with the hunting and reps. Now that we just talked about that, I just thought that might be more of a similarity between hunting and running is when you really get good at it. It normally is right after you break through a race, you kill something for the first time in a certain way. And then you're like, your, your eyes are open to what your abilities actually are. And, and like that, like, you know, I feel like, I feel like that's such a common story with elk hunting in particular, because elk hunting is extremely difficult with a, well, a rifle is hard too, but like elk hunting in general is extremely difficult, but with a bow, especially it's like, I've heard, hear so many stories of how many years did it take to kill your first elk? And then after that, it's like, you become every year or every other year elk killer. It's like just a switch, you know? And it is a bit of it. It is confidence as well. It's a little almost cockiness. I I think it's a two-parter. Like hard work takes time. You're seeing small nuances that you're just absorbing through time and experience that is helping you down the line, two years down the line. Same with running. It's like I train my butt off to be strong this year, but it's going to help you this year, next year. It might take a year for that to actually help you. Because sometimes athletic ability is given to some people and they're good right now, but it's going to take you, you got to work harder than that person's as God gift to put you over the top, you know? And then one thing too is you got to find your identity when it comes to hunting or running. Like your story, both of your guys' story, it's like, what, what made you good? Like, I know what I'm good at, so I'm going to take advantage of that. And same with hunting, like, 
what what's your hunting style? You got to find your own hunting style to be good at hunting. Not just yeah. some guy, Cam Haynes or some other guy, the hunting public. This is how they do it. It's right. like, no, how do you do it? That's so Yeah, true. and I think, I'm not That's sure if it was Trevor true. and I, I'm not sure if it was Trevor and I talking about this or maybe my other friend, Caleb, but we were talking about differences in experience. Um, for example, someone coming from the Midwest who might be as physically fit as me or Trevor or whatever. Ryan, we're not talking specifically about you. Now, I know you, you've... You've kicked ass in the mountains plenty, but like someone who's never hunted in the mountains before, but is an absolute freak physically, a person who's been out here and maybe isn't as like physically up to snuff as someone from the Midwest, you just have the life miles. You have those many repetitions with that many experiences, kind of like running and hunting. Like Mm -hmm. you were saying, you might not be working for this year's success, but you don't realize that if you keep at it, you're going to find a hot streak down the line. Then everybody's all of a sudden like, wow, this guy's killing a bunch of animals. Like he's so good. How did that happen? it's like, you didn't realize you had a decade before you hit a hot streak where you were learning all these things. And then everything all of a sudden starts to come a lot easier at a shorter amount of time. Same with running. It's like, you got all these miles, you have a few races where you need to figure things out. And then all of a sudden these people show up on, you know, in the field on the freaking roster. And you're like, why, where'd this guy come from? How has he run this time? The last three races in a row, I never heard of him before. And that's because that's when you have it click, you know? Right. Yeah. That's the classic. Like that's the classic. All they see is the, you know, all they see is the stage. They don't see the work. Right. You know, like, I mean, of course, you know, you must, you must be really talented at this or whatever. And it's like, well, no, actually, you know, yeah, that's, that's classic for sure. See, that's yeah. like Marianne. Marianne, you know, she never gave you any credit, but you showed up and said, I'm number one. And you walked off, gave a presentation, dropped the mic. There it is. That's my take home yeah. for the whole thing. Marianne, dude, my grad school cohort has heard that story so many times. They're sick of it. But um, I think we should probably start to wrap this up a little bit. Um, I think maybe – uh. Maybe a good way to do that. We we're both. I think most of us are pretty much done hunting for the year. We might have a little bit of waterfall left in some spots and whatnot until the spring seasons open up with turkey and bear. I'm not sure how much Trevor does because he guides fishing a lot in the spring. I'm sure, but um, maybe let's talk about real quick any any race plans you have coming up for the next year. Race plans or goals, and then any big hunts you might be excited about coming up for next year since we just wrapped up 2023. We can lead off with Trevor if he wants to, and then go to you, Ruben, and I'll sure. end her. Cool. You know. um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I, I waterfowl hunt quite a bit, so I've been these last – it's been kind of a tough, tough waterfowl season out here because – so far, at least, because we just have had – similar to the Midwest, I mean, it's just been so warm throughout the last couple months. Um, so we just haven't had a great – weather pattern for migration and for hunting. Um, but I have had a couple good hunts in the last, um, week we had two hunts, uh, me and some buddies where we shot our limit of mallards and, um, on some open water. So that was great. And I'll continue to duck hunt, uh, throughout the next few weeks until it closes here in mid January here in Montana. So yeah, excited for that. Um, and then in terms of the, the next year I have, I signed up for the Coeur d'Alene Marathon, um, which is in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, obviously. And there I'm going to 
attempt to run uh, a sub 250 marathon. So a 249 and change. Uh, so yeah, so I will be, you know, basically right now, as Ruben mentioned earlier, I ran a 5k last night. So I'm kind of just like, you know, hanging around 30, 35 miles a week, doing some good short speed VO2 max type of stuff right now. And then I'll start an official like marathon 18 week build in mid January. Um, so I'm definitely super excited for that. That'll be really cool. And then, uh, I am going to go to Alaska on a caribou hunt come August, uh, of 2024, um, with, uh, with two buddies. So uh, in terms of the hunting, um, that'll be a really cool one. I did that once before four years ago and had uh, a contact that I stayed in, in touch with, um, a pilot up there. And fortunately we were, we were able to get on his list. Uh, it was close, <laughs> but we were able to get on the list. So yeah, we're, we're really stoked about that. So yeah, should be, should be really fun. 2024. Is that going to be a, a rifle or archery? Uh, I am going to bring both. Um, I'm going to try to get done with the bow and you know, mm. if it's not, if it's not possible or run out of time, you know, then kind of resorts a rifle, but I'm prim- primarily going to, going to try to get done with the bow. That is pretty awesome. That's that's badass. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. Yeah, race plans. I'm I'm pretty much just running to get in shape to get married. That's what my trophy there you is. Go. is my soon to be <laughs> wife. <laughs> and um, uh, then you know, hunting hunting is nice too. But I'll be short and sweet. That's it. That's all I run for. <laughs> Do you have any uh, goals? goals for hunting next year like you need either a specific hunt or just an overall like goal about how you want to approach hunting yeah hopefully approach hunting i mean i was successful this year luckily you know in the midwest and i would like to just continue to adapt and see what happens you know i'm in a very heavily pressured state and you never know what's gonna change and things so i'm gonna hit it as hard as i always do so that's about it Nice. Ryan, are you got Minnesota to stay, you got to stay, an open mind, I guess. In in Minnesota. Okay. Okay. Where where yeah. around, what region of Minnesota? So yeah, it's old Rochester area. Oh, okay. That's that's so a good in area. In the southeast slash yeah. in the south, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, really good so area. A lot of public, a lot of pressure, but but fun right. time. Fun play, run around yeah. with them. So for me, I'm my running plans are really not fleshed out at this point, but I think when Trevor and I ran the turkey trot in Missoula a few weeks ago, that was another one where I came off of pretty much just hunting training, and I, I actually ran it a lot better than I thought I was going to. Um, and it kind of got me itching to actually see if I could put down a good time at some point. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not, just because of the way that I work out here with all the seasons in Missoula area. It's hard for me besides the winter to take time to actually train, but I think Trevor and I will probably be doing some runs and training sessions over the winter. And, um, and then there's a thing called the Hellgate social club. That's uh, mostly a bunch of, uh, uh, friends I know who are mostly female looking for some men to join in a run they do along the river that ends at Flippers Bar in downtown Missoula that anybody can come and join. Um, it's every other Wednesday night, I think. So I think actually Trevor and I might start doing some jogs and then doing our last couple of cool down miles with that crew and 
being social about running. But as Let's far as races go, I don't have anything Let's planned yet, but I am kind of curious to see if I could. <laughs> and then um and then as far as hunting goes i i need to i i am very focused on trying to kill a, a nice bear next year i haven't killed a bear since 2021 i've been hunting them a lot i actually like you know since i killed one in 21 i've been taking you out ryan and i've been with some other people and kind of on the fence if i wanted to kill one but always going because it's fun and then i really tried hard like you know, there's a difference between going out hunting and seeing what happens going out. And I want to fill my tag. I went out trying hard to fill my tag for bear this October and it didn't end up working. And, you know, it starts to get that drive in you more where it was like, I went into it thinking like put in a few days, should be able to find one and get on it. And it didn't happen like that. And now I'm even more like, okay, I'm, I'm hardcore about trying to make this happen next year. So I would say that a black bear might even be like the most sought after animal for me to fill my tag on next year. Um, so I'll be spring hunting for sure. And the spring probably going for a, a really big one if I can find one, but then in the fall, I'll be really trying hard if I don't get one in the spring. Um, but yeah, as far as running goes, maybe I'll throw a race or two in there, but I'll be training with Trevor and, um, we're, we're wrapping this up about talking hunting and running. We're always going one to the other. I think that a big takeaway would be what Ryan said was uh, be happy with your own performance. Don't let Marianne get you down. But <laughs> I think another running hunting podcast we're probably going to have in the near future, we're going to talk about the trophy aspect of it because like Ryan said, Marianne, you know, you could have given me a trophy when I deserved it, but you chose not to. And that's fine. But there's some parallels between trophies in the hunting and the running world that are a little separate from self-fulfillment that I think we need to talk about kind of in the context of what the term trophy hunting really means and try to bring it to light kind of from an angle of trophies and running because there's some big differences, but I think there's a lot of similarities which people don't really understand. So I think that's going to be a good conversation maybe if you don't know about trophy hunting or don't know if you like it and want to hear from some hunters and runners and maybe if you're a runner and not a hunter, you might be able to see some parallels between the two on the next episode that we talk about running and hunting. But until then, uh, Trevor, you want to plug your guiding business or uh, should we just let people find your name and call you up on their own? <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's MontanaGuidingCompany.com. Um, so, yeah, we do, we do fly fishing here in western Montana. So Bitterroot, Blackfoot, Clark Fork. Uh, Rock Creek, Missouri Rivers. Um, so yeah, check it out, MontanaGuidingCompany.com. That is MontanaGuidingCompany.com. That's Trevor Anderson. Thanks for um, uh, hanging out with us, Trevor. Hey guys, thank you. It was this was really fun. Yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. This is awesome. Okay, signing off. Peace.